Welcome to Digging the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways of bringing these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the Online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and Space to Meditate, and an MBSR teacher and trainer. Greetings, Doug. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, John? Good to see you. I'm I'm okay. I've got a number of like medical tests today, as well as my MacBook. My newer MacBook has to go into the shop, so I'm just realizing it's just one machine or the other, you know. <laughs> uh, it's just interesting. Aging in various ways. Yeah. Yeah, aging, illness, and hopefully not death. But no, I don't. <laughs> at least not yet. <laughs> But yes. that does lead us nicely as a segue into our uh, topic today, which are the daily five, the daily five reflections, mm-hmm. uh, the Buddha's daily, daily five reflections, um, which I think are a really significant practice for a lot of people. And uh, having done a number of year-long classes on life and death, um, People at first, when they when they confront these daily reflections, think, "Oh, why would I want to think about that every day?" And uh, and yet they realize the value in short order. Um, so I guess we should actually read the five reflections before we. Uh, and I know I think you have the translation handy, one of the translations handy there, and then we can get into it. Yeah, um, these the, the translation I just have in front of me here is uh, by Bhikkhu Sujato. He has. Uh, just so people know, it's a, a wonderful resource online called Sutta Central, where you can get um, access to translations of all of the early suttas. And this is from uh, Anguttara Nikaya 5.57. So it's one of the early suttas. And I'll just read, I'm not going to read the whole thing, obviously, and I'm not going to read, there's a lot of sort of stuff interspersed within the five reflections right. that I'm just going to leave out. Right. I'll just read the reflections themselves. So, the first one is, I am liable to grow old. I am not exempt from old age. The second one is, I am liable to get sick. I am not exempt from sickness. The third one is, I am liable to die. I am not exempt from death. The fourth one, uh, which I think a lot of people find very difficult, is, I must be parted and separated from all I hold dear and beloved. And the fifth one, I am the owner of my deeds and heir to my deeds. Deeds are my womb, my relative, and my refuge. I shall be the heir of whatever deeds I do, whether good or bad. So yeah. those are the five. And deeds uh, is a his translation of karma, or kamma in Pali. So yeah. uh, keep that in mind, I guess. Yeah. If actions, yeah. Or intentions, another way to understand them. Yeah, so yeah. Those yeah, are the so five. I, I find it really interesting. I mean, I did a talk a year ago for Tricycle, which was about finding joy and uncertainty. And I, when I talked about the five reflections, I, I, I said, well, these are things that actually are, I mean, they're certain in the sense that we will grow old, we will die. We may not get ill, but more than likely we're going we're to get ill to some degree. And the fourth and fifth, um, so that they're actually... They are certain. What isn't certain is when, <laughs> right? Um, mm-hmm. And and so, you know, we can we can recite these and and it can really bring us down, or we can recite these and they can really like light a fire under us. Um, 
which I think is the point <laughs> um, on many levels. You know, it's funny. I was I was reading a poem this morning by a, a Basque poet that I just discovered actually. And I, since you're married to a Basque woman, I was I just that just came to mind. But the poem talked about um, how every beginning is actually an ending, mm. right? In other words, you can't start something without it ending. And, you know, that's no more true than, you know, with our own lives, you know, and, and when the, the, the Buddha talked about dukkha, suffering, uh, inconstancy, you know, right, right away from the front, you know, birth is dukkha, right? Because birth is going to lead to death, you know, and everything in between. So it's how do we hold this and how do we live as a result with that knowledge? And uh, I think the point of these reflections is just a daily reminder that, oh, yeah, you know, this could be it. Yeah, and not to, and also not to, I think it's a reminder not to take it all personally. Um, I think we tend to For you know, sure. think this, this sort of mindset of, you know, why me? You know, why is this happening to me? And I think it can help to realize that, I mean, of course, in a sense, we all realize that it all happens to everybody, but to, to keep it in mind that this is something that's normal, natural, and happens to literally everybody. And so, you know, some people say, why not me? You know, uh, it's it's something that just happens. It's natural. It's part of the way the world is. Um, it's the Dharma. It's this, in a yeah, way. And it's and this conditioned body. <laughs> Exactly. Um, you know, and so and these the the fourth and fifth, which are I think the well the fourth is I think the one that people have the hardest time yeah. really holding, even though it's also in many ways as obvious as the first three, that you know, anything that we are holding on to, any person, anything, we're we're gonna be losing that one way or the other either we're going to die or the thing itself is going to die or the person is going to leave us one way or the other. Um, you know, this reflection is going to come true. Um, and so knowing that, how do we hold it and how do we work with that? Uh, and of course, any of us who have, well, I mean, we can, we can start from the time we were young kids, you know, and, and something we might have held dear, whether it was a toy or a friend even, you know, the friend moves away and suddenly that friend is gone um, or the toy breaks and suddenly the toy is gone, you know, and we get really upset even though it's just the nature of life and the nature of things and the nature of people. And so the question in my mind, and I know it comes up for many students is, oh, so if it's going to be lost, does that mean I hold on to it tighter so it'll last longer? Or is it a practice of really learning to let go moment to moment, you know, which is really, I think, the practice itself. Um, and so if we're able to let go every moment, that means the moment we have whatever it is or whoever it is, there's a greater appreciation, there's a greater awareness, there's a greater uh, love, actually. Um, not an attached love, though. You know, and I think that's where it can lead is to this beautiful sort of unconditional love that isn't attached to even the presence of the person or the thing. 
So it's very powerful practice. Yeah, and it's a, it's a very wise practice. I think it leads to wisdom in the same way that you were discussing just now, in the sense that we we ordinarily. I mean, I think it's kind of funny that um, that the fourth one of these reflections is the most difficult. I mean, I, I, I on on a, on, a, on a heart level, I understand it completely, but in a mind level, it's sort of like you would think that uh, old age, sickness, and death would be the the difficult ones, but somehow <laughs> it's the it's the separation from everything that we hold dear and beloved, which is the most difficult. And, uh, I mean, there's a sense in which, you know, if it happens to me, okay, I can sort of deal with it. Uh, and maybe if even my own death, maybe, you know, I'm just going to stop existing or something or completely change. So it's not something I need to worry about. But, you know, I think to, to support ourselves in this, we tend to, uh, as you say, cling harder to everything around us and, cling harder to our possessions, cling harder to the people that we love in our lives. And, and that's what brings us the most difficulty really in the, in the, in the long term is this inability to, you know, to give up what has to be given up eventually, uh, whether it's physical or whatever. Um, and learning how to be with that at the same time that we understand that it's going to eventually go away is it's difficult. It's, it's a hard practice, but at the same time, I, you know, if you can see out the other end, like you were suggesting, you know, to have this kind of unconditional boundless kindness and love uh, rather than a kindness and love that is directed only at specific things that you want to remain. That's the, that's kind of the goal. Yeah. And, you know, what I've found when I remember, and this is why it's so helpful as a daily practice, because it does remind you, is that in terms of the people in my life, uh, if I do this on a daily basis, in terms of the people in my life, I am likely to, to have so much more gratitude for them being in my life. And also, you know, recognizing, and, and we've talked about this before, I think, recognizing that when I, when I say farewell or even when I say good night, you know, could be that that person is not there in the morning. I mean, anything is possible. And we all know of situations where that's been the case, not necessarily our own personal situations, but other situations where somebody is just gone. Um, I mean, they, they suddenly died or, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, or things are just gone. I mean, I'm just thinking of the, you know, this, we're recording this podcast after this huge hurricane in Florida, you know, and, and, you know, people's homes are suddenly gone or the war in Ukraine or you, you name your spot, you know, uh, if, if you're holding on to things so tightly that if they leave you for whatever reason or beings, if they leave you, you're going to suffer that much more. But if you, you know, appreciate them moment to moment, then you'll, even, even when the, the person or the thing itself is no longer there, you will have had the joy of the, of the fact that this love was in your life. Um, and so it's just a reminder of that. And it's, I think, uh, you know, in terms of, as you say, you know, that practice being one of, a real practice of developing wisdom 
into clinging and craving and our ability to let go, um, you know, which is hard, you know, and it's not. Yeah. I mean, I've had these discussions with, you know, people who are in the midst of grieving. It's not to say that you're not going to grieve. Of course, you're going to grieve, you know, because we're human and, uh, and the Buddha grieved, you know, but his grieving was coming from a very different place, I think, when he grieved. Um, and I can't remember if there are any specific teachings. Yeah, go ahead. The one teaching that I can recall, or at least the one discussion that I can recall, is is when the Buddha lost both Sariputta and Moggallana. His chief disciples, um, yeah. It has two chief disciples. Both of them predeceased him uh, in a relatively short period of time, as I recall. So it was not, you know, by different things. They that was not. They were not. You know, it wasn't at the same time. But in any event, and I remember him. There's a couple of suttas where he talks about how. It's as though the largest tree in the forest has lost its two largest limbs, you know. Mm. And, you know, within a Buddhist context, there's a lot of discussion about whether the Buddha grieved or not. You know, what does somebody who is enlightened grieve? Um, or do they just simply, are they just simply aware of the loss? Um, and all I can say is that, uh, you know, from a human perspective, that simile is very, I think, telling. It's a, it's a very poignant simile yeah. and uh whether or not we call it grieving it certainly is uh the awareness of the the magnitude of the loss on his part i mean from uh, from my from my perspective the, the most recent one uh was the you know was our house fire which i've discussed in some videos that i've done and you know i could sort of think back to you know the night before that friday night when i sort of closed the door on my on my office, uh, not knowing that, you know, that everything, pretty much everything in the, in the office was going to either be destroyed or, or nearly so, um, right. by the next morning. But, you know, these things <laughs> but we have insurance for that. Right. And it's like, Oh, well, you don't, you can have all the insurance you want. And still at some point it's and all going to be gone. Um, yeah, it's going to be and gone. Then, yeah. And then there's life insurance, right? So, you know, you're insuring your life, you know, for the sake of others, um, and and the others might be gone before the, you know before you. So it's like, and then you know all that. Oh, and then I have to decide. Okay, so who else, you know, cares about my life or you know? How, so it's so interesting how we, in, in in our modern lives, you know, kind of treat our own mortality. Um, it's like we're so worried about the future, we miss the present. Right, which is, I think, the other. The yeah, there's other a certain amount of that we have to do. Yeah, of, of course. course. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that uh, we do out of love for those around us, but right. I mean, it's not that we have to do it. It's just that, like, we've gotten into the place of doing it, and right. um, and it's interesting, right? That uh, and I think we may have talked about this a bit in, in the podcast around death. But somebody was at a class yesterday was pointing out that. You know, these sutras were written at a time when death was not something that was kind of swept under the carpet, you know, and, uh, and people died at home or they died wherever they were. You know, they weren't dying in hospitals and, and they were usually with others. Um, and it wasn't, it was, it was sad, but it wasn't like 
I mean, who knows what it was like, but it was, it was there and, and constant, uh, you know, whether you were eaten alive by a tiger or had some, you know, horrible disease, people were there when it happened. And, uh, yeah, it was more present to them in that yeah. sense. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the fifth reflection on, on karma, that's really about how we live fully and skillfully, right? Yeah. Um, and that we're, in a sense, being reborn into each moment. And the actions from prior moments, you know, are what are carried forward into the next moment. And then at that moment when we're dying, you know, depending on your your belief about rebirth, you know, it's the same thing that that has an impact on your rebirth. Um, right. And so, you know, knowing that, and I, I love the way in the sutta, it often refers, it uses the word relative, relatives. These are your relatives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, how do your relatives impact your life? Yeah, deeds are my womb, my relative, and my refuge. It's, yeah, that, that's how Bhikkhu Sujato puts it, which is nice. Yeah. yeah, it's very poetic, but it really does have an impact on the way we live, if we remember, right? And, and that's yeah. mindfulness as well. You know, this recollecting. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think it's a it's a way of lifting ourselves up out of any kind of sense of nihilism that the first four have given us you know the, i think one one ordinary mind state we might get into with the first four is to sort of get nihilistic and think oh there's nothing i can do and you know every, i'm going to lose everything and uh, you know i can't escape death and so what does it matter nothing matters which is why the fifth is so important that you know to reinforce the fact that no some things do matter that you know what you do, your intentions and your deeds are, are, you know, are extremely important. You know, they're the ones that will, they're the, they're what will, you know, be around after you've died, whether that's in another birth, uh, or whether it's just in the world that you leave behind. Um, it's the same. Uh, Of course, from a traditional perspective, it means that you'll, you'll be reborn depending on your actions, but uh, whether or not you take that traditionally doesn't really matter to the point of the sutta, I think. Yeah. And and it's so interesting, right, that the nihilistic approach would be, well, if it doesn't, you know, if, it's, if I'm just going to die, it doesn't matter. But but it's just as easy to take the other approach, right, that if I'm, if I'm only here for this lifetime, I better make the most of it. <laughs> right? exactly. I better do everything I can to make it a better place. And, you know, and, right. and, uh, and that's where that, that, Fifth reflection, I think, really comes in in a big way. Yeah, um, and so uh, you know, and so so these can be practiced. I know people; some people just have these kind of printed out and up on their bathroom mirror <laughs> uh, or their refrigerator door. You know, just to kind of remind them. Uh, some people chant it every day. It's a very powerful practice. You know, and it also. Um, I think, you know, in terms of the fifth reflection, it can lead to just amazing acts of generosity and, uh, you know, just caring for others. Um, fourth and fifth, actually, you know, mm. it's really about care and how we relate to others, recognizing that they may be gone anytime. 
or we may be gone anytime, you know, how does that change the way we relate? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes us much more aware of the moment, like you were saying before. Uh, I think ordinarily we tend to get too involved in, you know, thinking way about the future or lamenting or reminiscing about the past. Uh, but when when we, I think when we keep these these reflections in mind, in a mindful way, it does make us more aware of the importance of the present right now, the people here who are here right now with us, and also on the character of our intentions and our deeds, uh, because they're the only thing that's going to really survive us in any sense. So, yeah, putting putting real intention into how we how we live our lives uh, in ways to as much as we can try to make the world a better place. There was something that came to mind around the, the fourth reflection as you were talking, and now it's it's just left, you know, which is one of those aging things, right? <laughs> like the memory isn't what it used to be. It may come back. Um, and Join the club. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, I think the aging one is really interesting too, you know, because, you know, as I was sort of alluding to before, and I, I came up in the last couple of days, it's like suddenly in, you know, these last, 12 to 15 months i've had like various you know tests like x-rays and cat scans and mris and you know for different issues in this body of mine and it's like i don't remember ever having i mean i've had more tests in the last 12 to 15 months than i probably had my entire life (laughs) and you know full disclosure okay i'm 68 right but i've never thought of myself as old. <laughs> and, you know, in many ways, I'm not old, right? Even though my dad had died three years, five years before I, he's my, you know, I am now five years older than my dad was when he died, you know, but I never thought of him as old when he died. And so it's, it's this, it, the aging thing just kind of creeps up and you don't even realize it. Um, and it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just, it, it just is. Right. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. So this is aging finally happening, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't feel old for the most part, you know, but damn, all these tests, it's like, really? (laughs) (laughs) It, uh, yeah, brings the reality to you, doesn't it? You know? Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's kind of funny, you know, that you've been kind of pretending that it, it never happens and then it happens. You know, so the reflections are just a, a useful reminder that, uh, yeah, they're going to happen. You know, it's okay. It's okay, you know, and, and uh, enjoy what you have while you have it. Uh, so they, they seem very obvious on one level, and yet they're very, very subtle on other levels. And uh, I think it's really... Uh, a practice worth doing on a, on a daily basis if you if you can at least just to remind yourself when you get up oh i'm alive now maybe not by the end of the day but here i am now you know just waking up to this moment it's, yeah it, it yeah really does that and another thing that the i was sort of reminded in the rest of the sutta he, he sort of goes on to talk about sort of aspects of each of these and why they're important and one of the aspects he talks about is, is sort of to overcome vanity in, mm. in regard to the various, you know, vanity for youth, 
when it comes to old age, vanity for health when it comes to sickness, and so on. And I think, well, there's a lot to, to unpack there, but of course one aspect of that would be that it brings compassion, uh, compassion for other people uh, who are in this situation that we don't pity them, but rather have compassion for them right. uh, and realize that we're all in this boat together, that yeah. it's not um, uh, it's not unusual, it's not um, something that's to be looked down upon if you're sick or old or dying. But rather, just something that's that we all that we all go through. Yeah, yeah. So, thank you for that. Yeah. So, I, I hope this is useful for people. I, you know, it, it can seem as we, as we started out. I mean, it can seem for some to be rather a sober reminder, but it's really not meant as a sober reminder. It's meant as a kick in the butt. You know, in in many ways, right? You know, pay attention. It's not meant to be morbid. It's not meant to be right, morbid. It's not meant at all. to be. You know, and, uh, enlightening. Yeah. And as, you know, any number of teachers say, you know, it, it it brings your practice to life in a very real way so that you will practice as though your life depended on it, which in a way it does. Or you, know, you practice because of the urgency of this moment. We just don't know. And so better be awake for this moment <laughs> because yeah. you never know. Or you know, better, you know, what do you want your last words to be? How do you want your last breath to be? Any of this, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a very inspiring and energizing practice in my, in my experience. So good luck with it, friends, and uh, take it on. We'll, we'll put the actual reflections in, in the uh, notes for this particular episode. And, and Yeah, I can leave a link to the sutta. Yeah, great. Oh, and just a reminder in, ter- in terms of good deeds, uh, we really appreciate the generosity of, of those who are joining us. Feel free to buy us a coffee at uh, digintodharma.com. You have that option. And uh, members uh, get the special privilege of an open forum to ask us questions, maybe even online. Not online, on one of the podcasts. And one of the podcasts. Yeah, we did a yeah. podcast yeah. with one of our members a few weeks ago yeah, which was wonderful yeah and there's one who's kind of in line for the next i think so thank you for being with us and uh until next time and great thanks I'll john see you again doug okay yep be well thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this podcast consider leaving a review on your local podcast directory it would help us out a lot you can check john out at johnaron.net and Doug at Doug's Dharma on YouTube and his Patreon page, linked in the notes. You've been listening to Digging the Dharma with Doug Smith and John Aaron. Mm-hmm.